The History Man with Terry Kringle. Hello. 300 years ago, let's say, the Isle of Man was a very prosperous place. It was the centre of a huge smuggling racket. It was highly organised and highly profitable. And its success changed the course of Manx history with the Revestment Act of 1765. We were not ashamed of the criminality of what we were doing. After all, smugglers are not like real criminals. They are seen as rather romantic figures, rebels with a cause, defiant of unheeding authority. As far as I know, history doesn't tell us who among the Manx people first realised that the island was the ideal smuggling centre. Sitting in the middle of the Irish Sea, within easy reach of the surrounding coasts of the British Isles. The island also had excellent resources to call upon, primarily the seamanship and daring of Manx seafarers and the ability of Manx businessmen to recognise a good thing when they saw it. By the late 17th century, the island's running trade was, well, up and running, and doing very nicely, thank you. The system was that the island could be used as a warehouse, an expression still used in smuggling parlance today, where imported goods could be stored on payment of the negligible Manx customs duties applied under the Lords of Man, and then distributed clandestinely to other parts of the British Isles, virtually duty-free. This contraband included wines and spirits, tobacco, tea, and other merchandise shipped in from all over the world, from as far afield as America, the East Indies and China. The importers were businessmen and traders, often with respected positions in Manx society. They were the masterminds. In the front line were the Manx seamen, and their fast sailing ships built for the job in hand. In 1755 it was estimated that thirty or more such boats were employed, with crews of five or six men and boys who knew their business. Of course, the Treasury in London knew exactly what was going on and knew perfectly well why it was costing important revenues to the British government. It had to fight back on sea and land. HM customs officers were stationed in the island, and revenue cutters and Royal Navy sloops patrolled the Irish Sea. The Manxmen had to be smart. Sometimes, when chased, they would lighten their load and escape by dropping their contraband overboard, using landmarks to establish its location and coming back later to drag the seabed for it. There was also a place up the Solway Firth near the town of Kokubri, which was known then, and may well be known today, as Manxman's Lake. It was an inlet with a sandbar across the entrance which a smuggler's vessel could negotiate and get over safely. A pursuing revenue cutter or Royal Navy sloop could not, and had to shear off leaving the smuggler to unload his contraband and get back out to sea at his leisure. The Manx running trade also had a sidebar to world maritime history. Lieutenant William Bly commanded a Navy sloop operating in Manx waters when, in 1781, eight years before the mutiny on the bounty, he married Elizabeth Beetham in Onken Parish Church. She was the daughter of Dr. Richard Beetham, Britain's collector of customs in the Isle of Man. Bly's later troubles with Fletcher Christian and midshipman Haywood must have enhanced his jaundiced view of Manx seafarers. Uh, It was not the church we know today, by the way. It was much smaller and decidedly more primitive 
surrounded on all sides by fields. But the end had to come. In the early 1700s, a UK customs report said, Great quantities of various kinds of merchandise have been exported from the island and clandestinely landed in Great Britain, to the great detriment of His Majesty's revenues. In 1764, the Board of Customs Commissioners in London reported to the Treasury that the royal revenues were being depleted by £350,000 a year, a colossal sum. After this, the Treasury wrote to the Duke of Athol, Lord of Man, to say it was using its powers to negotiate a purchase of the island from him. The rest, as they say, is history, and at the time it didn't go down well with the Manx people at all. The good times were over. By the late 18th century the running trade had run out of steam.